Welcome, my friends. Excuse the face. Got in a bar fight with a drunk cat. <laughs> How's that for a story? Yeah. No. <laughs> Anyways, no, I uh, had a chemical treatment for sun damaged skin. It'll heal up and I'll be nice and beautiful like my normal self. Welcome to Todd Talks, where I help you design your best life, not the life I design for you, but the life that you desire. And I have my friend with me today. We've already done one podcast before where I got to be a guest, uh, Jody Lynn Craven. She is a financial advisor, financial educator, creator of Abundance Consciousness and the Fluid Money Blueprint. She helps entrepreneurs attract money consistently. And I know that's what you want. I know it's what I want. The sooner, the better, actually. Yeah. I. Yeah, that's the goal. The sooner, the better. Get to that hundred k a month. So, Jody, yeah, <laughs> welcome to the show. If you can give a little introduction of yourself, that'd be great. Amazing! Thank you for having me, Todd. I'm so excited to be here and have this wonderful conversation with you. You know, I, I hope the cat looks worse than you do. <laughs> well, it was drunk, so it was drunk, <laughs> so everybody was blurry. <laughs> You ever seen Sylvester the cat? There you go. Yeah, that's right. Well, as you said, my name is Jody Lynn Craven. I'm the founder of Abundance Consciousness and the creator of the Fluid Money Blueprint. Um, how I ended up here, I feel like I have to go way back to get to back to this point to tell you how I ended up here. Um, you know, in my early 20s, I, I bought a house in the boom of the economy before the 2008 crash. I think it was like right on the edge. It was starting to tip downward, but I didn't know anything about anything. So I bought a house um, with my then boyfriend. And then fast forward a couple of years later, the economy crashed. We had, you know, the great financial crisis, um, the housing market crashed. I always tell it like this, you know, the economy died, the lake that I lived on died, and so did my relationship. And <laughs> I was in this position of, uh, do I stay in a, a relationship that isn't serving me that was, you know, emotionally abusive and just, it, it wasn't the right one for me to be in. Do I stay because I, I felt strapped for cash? I felt like I would have to go through, I'd have to basically tank my financial life at that point. Cause our house was worth about half of what we owed on it when I was trying to make this decision or do I leave and do I say, you know, uh, sayonara to all the things and just ruin my life financially and start over again at 25. And I chose, I chose the second one and it lit this fire within me to understand how money works. Cause I felt like I never learned in college or high school. And, you know, my parents would say, you should save your money. And, you know, in Canada here, we have uh, registered retirement savings plans, RSPs. They're very similar to 401ks in, in the United States, but they'd be like, save your money in an RSP. And I'd be like, how do you sell that. Uh, you know, I wasn't really interested in learning about that stuff at that time. And then again, I didn't learn about it in high school or college. So I felt like I was behind the ball and I was angry and, and obviously really ashamed of, of going through that process, having to go through the foreclosure of my very first home, having to claim consumer proposal, which is one step above bankruptcy to move in with my brother and his pregnant wife and live with them because I had no other place to go. Um, so I had this hunger within me to figure it out. And I thought, what better way than actually being in the industry? So I started to uh, learn how to be a financial advisor. I, you know, took the courses, got the license to do it, um, and, and started to teach other families how, how money works here and, uh, what they can do with their money, how to, you know, free up more money for themselves, how to be in a better financial position. And I was loving teaching all of this because what I realized was it was a lot simpler than the industry made it out to be. You know, it's kind of like this bait and switch in the industry where it's like, it's so complicated and they throw all these words at you that nobody understands. And as humans, we just kind of shut down like, oh, I'm not smart enough to understand this stuff. And um, when I finally learned it and how simple it was, I was excited to teach that to people. But what I started noticing over the years, because now it's been 11 years that I've been in financial services. Just one over. second. I apologize for this, but I have to yell at the dog for a oh, second. Oh, that's okay. Pepper! Pepper! Come here. 
not something that I want to do, but she is sitting there just barking her head off it. I didn't even hear her (laughs) until you said something. That's because I have a uh, one-way mic. Ah, Got it. (laughs) Oh, now she wants to kiss you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you you little rat. Okay, sorry I interrupted. That's okay. That's okay. So I've been in financial services as a broker for the last 11 years. So about halfway through my career, I started to notice um, that it wasn't about money. And this sounds really weird when we're talking about money, but I would go and I would free up a thousand dollars for a client. And this didn't happen just once, Todd, this happened time after time after time where I would go and I would rearrange some debt, get it into a lower interest area, you know, makes their payments smaller, you know, frees up a bunch of money, like literally a thousand dollars a month for some people. And then I would build this amazing plan about how they'd be out of debt in, you know, a year or two, how they'd have all of this money saved in a year or two. And then I would go back in to check on them in said year or two later. And I would find them in a worse position than when we started. And I've never done that, got the t-shirt. Right. Exactly. So I started to notice um, these these similarities with people that I was dealing with with money. And then I started to notice them myself. My bank account would go to the same exact number. You know, my debt, I'd pay it off and then it'd go right back almost within pennies of the exact same amount of debt that I had before. So I knew that there was something missing. And I call that the energy behind money. It's the mindset as well as our energy that we're putting into it. So I started to dive into mindset. I started to dive into energy. And I felt like when I was learning the law of attraction and and listening to a lot of these teachers, everything was really vague. Like, just be positive. Just write an affirmation. And I always always hate the, well, you just have to feel it. Okay. Feel it. How how am I supposed to feel money? Yeah, feel the the abundance. Okay, open yourself to receive. Okay, (laughs) speak to me in English, please. I really need to know the details. I'm an A type personality. I like steps. Give me the steps. (laughs) So nobody was giving me the steps. So I thought, you know, whatever. I'm going to go within because I believe that we're all connected to one another. We're also connected to God. So we're connected to the vast vastness of you know, resources that we rarely tap into the genius that is the universe, essentially. So I I went within and it was purely selfish. I wanted to know how do I change the way that I interact with money? How do I attract more? How do I get out of these cycles that I seem to be in? And these questions started funneling in. I realized that I was a channel, that I had guides. I learned to do that. And and I started channeling programs and abundance codes. And I put it all together in what I call the fluid money blueprint, which is three steps on how you can consistently attract more money faster. Like you said, Todd, the first step is unlocking those abundance blocks. We typically, we stay at the surface of our mindset when it comes to money, like money is bad. We're like, oh no, it's not that bad, but we don't go deep enough. So I give you tools inside of the fluid money blueprint to draw deeper. And we can talk about that later. The second phase is dismantling negative money perspectives. This is really about rewiring the brain so that you don't keep automatically running into these patterns over and over again. And then the last one is abundance on autopilot. It's really strengthening the muscle of possibility because the way that we operate as humans is the way that it has happened once or the way that we see others doing it, we put our blinders on and think that's the only way. When we live in this infinite universe where billions of opportunities, billions of ways for money to come in is possible. So I teach you to open up your brain and strengthen that possibility muscle and then redesign your life so that everything you are doing is attracting more money into your life. That's awesome. That's how I ended up here. <laughs> From from a pilot perspective, we we teach students, we teach other pilots to develop situational awareness. So mm-hmm. comparing comparing that to what you were describing, situational awareness for for us is knowing what is going on around you in a three hundred and sixty degree bubble, and yeah. what that does is it prevents you from being blinded or tunnel gazing on just one item. I I remember a story, great story of a C5, huge, massive airplane 
that had a emergency light blinking and the 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 whole crew got fixated on that light on what was what was causing that light what to do about it they're fixated on that meanwhile they didn't notice the autopilot had shut off oh and <laughs> that sounds they, bad <laughs> they they were over the ocean and they went from about 35,000 feet and one of the crew members finally took their eye off of it and the plane was in a steep nose dive at about a thousand feet above the ocean and they hauled back on the stick and were able to bring the plane out of a di- out of the dive just feet above the wave caps just they didn't feel it going down it was insidious it was just a slow slow insidious movement and they were so tunnel vision so fixated mm-hmm. on the the one trouble area yeah that they came within second a split second of dying yeah um and to me that's a great example of we have to build that situational awareness that there are so many other ways to to do things we don't need to be locked we need to unblock unlock those blocks yeah we need to open our awareness open and expand our horizon to realize there is a billion ways that we can make a billion dollars absolutely well and i think like that example of them slowly going down and being so fixated on one thing um People will do this with money when things aren't going well, and they try so hard to shift and think about something else, but their brain just automatically goes back. And I'm sure you've, you know, you've done, you do lots of stuff with mindset. Um, but I always teach about the reticular activator. So the part of our brain that is designed to focus on the things that are important to us, you buy a new car, you see said car everywhere you go. Well, the same goes for money. If, if you think I don't have enough, that's one of the biggest things that I deal with with my students. They say, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough money. Well, they're so hyper-focused tunnel vision on that current reality that their brain is looking for more possibilities on proving them right, more ways to show them that is exactly what they're seeing in their reality. So then it becomes more and more and more. Um, It takes over the situation and they can't see outside of that when we do need to step back and say, you know, is that the only possibility here? Most likely not. Oh yeah, I'm I'm currently going through one of those situations right now, retraining my my brain in the to to get it out of the I don't have enough because and the the reason being is I have a set myself up on a path to some pretty large expenses. Yeah. And I've done it knowing that I can acquire and I will have the money, but there's that part of your brain that's going, you don't have it right now. You don't have enough. You're screwed. Right. (laughs) And so it's, it's having to, to fight that so that I can actually attract the money that I need to pay for my airline transport pilot license. So it's having to fight the one devil on the one shoulder so that I can use the law of attraction to build up these other areas that I know my coaching business, et cetera, that will bring in the income. Absolutely. And people, I see this a lot with my students where they do this on a monthly basis. They get to today, let's say all of your bills are on the first, they get to the second or the third, and then they start looking at their bank account and they go, Oh my God, I don't have enough. You have an entire month to create more money. Your bills aren't till the first again. We have, you know, whatever, 30 days. I don't know how many, 29 days. I don't know how many days are in June. So 30 days. 30. Okay. So we have 29 days to create more wealth before your bills come out. Yet we're in this state of panic, which is actually closing off those possibilities. So what I teach in the second phase of the fluid money blueprint is cast. 
So it's an easy four-step system. I'm going to give it to you here, uh, Todd, so you can use it too. The first thing we do is we celebrate. And it sounds counterintuitive. (laughs) When you notice that you're doing this, when you're like, oh, I don't have enough money. I don't know where it's going to come from. Or you get into that pattern. I want you to stop and celebrate like a big, like woohoo hands in the air. I don't care if you're in the grocery store. I don't care if you're in your car. If your kids are there, your parents, it it doesn't matter where you are. If you're really committed to changing this programming, you're just going to celebrate that you noticed it big and bold. The reason why we do this is because when you're in this state of like yelling and shouting, like, woo, right? Your brain wakes up and your brain's like, ooh, what do I need to pay attention to? This is where we need your brain to be because we want your brain to start instead of automatically running the pattern to stop and check in with you and let you know that you're about to run this pattern that's not serving you anymore. So we celebrate so that we're telling the brain, we want you to, t- I want you to tell me when this pattern is going to run and you'll become more hyper aware of what's happening. So that's the C. The second is A. Uh, so of cast uh, is acknowledge. Okay. A lot of times what happens in this scenario is we get this fear that bubbles up from, you know, either our, our chest or our stomach. You're going to feel it in different places. It's important to notice where you feel it, but you want to allow all of that stuff to come up. A lot of people will not face their fears because it's scary. I don't want to think about that. I don't want to think about what's going to happen. I, I just need to be positive because the law of attraction tells me I'm attracting everything. Well, uh, The thing is that whether you're acknowledging it or you're ignoring it, it's still there and you're still attracting from it. So acknowledge it. What are you afraid of? I'm afraid I'm not going to have enough money. I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to make more money. I'm afraid of blah, blah, blah. If you need to write it out, write it out. I've always been a writer. Some people like to, you know, just say it out loud, whatever. I want you to stand there wherever you are. And I want you to allow all of that stuff to come up and acknowledge it. I call it talking to the baby that's within you because what happens to us is, you know, if you have kids, do you have kids, Todd? I have four. You have four. But I, I am now at the point where I have two grandkids. Oh, amazing. Okay. So you have lots of experience with kids when yes. they are having a meltdown. How likely is it that you can reason with them with logic? <laughs> um, zero, actually negative numbers, negative exactly. percentage. Exactly. So now picture the baby that lives within you or the toddler. I call it baby Jody. We'll call yours baby Todd. You know, baby Jody, when she gets into this, you know, hyper extensive state where she's freaking out in panic, I can't logic her. I can't just shift. She's a child having a meltdown. I need to acknowledge her and her feelings. You need to acknowledge, you know, baby Todd. So I always say, baby Jody, what's wrong? And I let her vent everything. doesn't matter if it's relative. It doesn't matter if it's logical. could be completely insane. I just let her go. And if I need to write it down, I write it down. The next letter is S of cast is S. And this is your system. This is what we're going to do with it. Once you've acknowledged all of that stuff and you know, you've had that vent or that pity party, we're going to calm your nervous system. We're going to get out of the tantrum spiral that you're in right now. Some helpful tips on this is uh, putting your head, your forehead on something that's hard. This will calm your nervous system. There's the vagus nerve that is connected to so much within our body. If you put your hand here and you're kind of like put a little bit of pressure, you're not choking yourself, but you're just kind of on the collarbones. I'm wearing a you know a high neck here so you can't see it, but you can calm your nervous system that way or go outside and put your feet on the soil and just take a breath. Lamaze breathing. And, yes. Basically breathe. Breathe, breathe. It, yes, it calms your nervous system down, slows down your heart rate, 100%. allows allows your body to get out of that fight or flight mode, which exactly. fear causes. One of the things before you get into the last one, I want to bring up something about the um, acknowledge the fear. Is recently I've done several trainings on how to overcome fear, mm-hmm. and one of the ways that I teach to overcome fear is to feel, feel it, figure it out, accept the worst possible scenario yeah, and, and, or just play it out. 
the worst possible scenario. I always use the story of when I was a little standing on the edge of a cliff and imagining the plummet all the way down, my body splatting on the ground and my spirit stepping out of my body, looking down going, well, that was stupid. <laughs> and, and then, you know, if, if that's the worst that can happen, okay, you feel the fear, you acknowledge it and you accept it yeah. as a possibility. And then you can move on. You release that the the hold that it has over you. Yes. Yeah. I love that. I, I always call it the bottom line. And my dad used to say that to me, what's the bottom line here? That's the worst case scenario, because exactly what you just said, once you know, then you can move on from it. So the, the third phase of cast is, is the system. So calming your nervous system, you're going to return back to normal. This is back to that child analogy. This is when they've stopped crying and they're just back at like, normality, or they're just back at this baseline feeling that they have. You're just normal. You're good. Neutral. We'll say. And then the next, uh, next letter is T and it stands for true. So the question is, is it true? Going back to that bottom line that we were just talking about, you know, if you're like, I'm not going to have enough money. Okay. So so what does that mean? What's going to happen? Well, I'm not going to be able to pay my bills. Okay. And then what happens? Then I'm going to be thrown out of my house and be evicted. I'm going to lose my house, whatever that looks like. I'm going to be, you know, uh, on on the streets, living in a refrigerator box. And then, and then eventually I'm going to die. Right. <laughs> exactly what you said. Just a different way of getting to that death point. Now we ask, call it realism and they, they take yeah. it all the way to the end, all the way to the end. And then you ask, it's is not it real? Yeah. Is it true? Is it absolutely true that and you start backing it up that I'm going to die? Probably not, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm probably not actually going to be homeless because I have family in the area. You know, they might not like me living with them, but I could rely on them if I needed to. Or maybe there's a different avenue I could go down. Okay, and then you keep backing it up. Is it true that, you know, there's only one possibility here and it's that I can't pay anything and I'm going to foreclose on my mortgage? Well, no, there's more possibilities that exist here. And you keep backing it up and challenging that part of your brain that says this is the only path we can go down and starting to see that there is other opportunities or possibilities that exist instead. So now this is the part that you're actually training your brain to look for other possibilities. So you do this once the cast system. Now you've woken up your brain. Now, the next time this comes up, your brain's going to be like, hey, we're here. And then the acknowledgement process isn't going to take you as long because you've already, you know, filtered through those feelings once the resetting your system, your body is so incredibly intelligent. It will know how to reset back to that neutral state because you're teaching it as you're doing this. So now you get to neutral and you're like, Hey, okay. Is it absolutely true? No, I'm not going to be homeless. No, I'm not going to die. No, I'm not going to foreclose on my mortgage. And then you start to see more and more possibilities eventually by utilizing this four-step system, you're backing up the pattern each step of the way, and then you're creating a wall between you and that old route that you used to go, and you're creating a new one within your brain. So you no longer go down that, I don't have enough pattern ever again. Wouldn't it be nice if they actually taught this, this stuff in school, right? in college, in high school, instead of, oh, I don't know, underwater basket weaving or right right the, actually all the the mandatory things that they require but finances is not other than florida just passed a law that it's actually a required course now yeah um but everywhere else it's nobody teaches anybody money nope. nobody teaches if there was a class wealth 101 how many people would sign up for it i know yeah. i would right so many people. And I think further to that, I think over the last couple of years with this pandemic, our children are going through a lot. I don't even have kids yet. Uh, we're working on that. Um, but I That's see my niece. Part. Yeah, exactly. I see my niece. I, I babysat her uh, about a month ago. And all of a sudden she turned to me, we were watching TV in, in bed or whatever, right? We were eating popcorn, watching TV and she starts crying. 
And I'm like, honey, what's going on? And um, she was like, I'm afraid my parents are going to die. And it was like this whole thing. And I, I could tell she was going through this nervous system response, this primitive response or fight or flight. And she didn't know how to calm her nervous system down. So I took her out of the bed that we were both laying in. I took her into the bathroom and I got her to put her feet on the floor and put her hand over her heart. And I just said, I want you to breathe four counts in. And the first breath that she took, she's like, <gasps> like it was barely a breath. She didn't know how to breathe anymore. So I had to coach her on one, two, three, four, and then out two, three, four. And I was just allowing her energy to move through her because she didn't know how to deal with it. She didn't know how to come back to that neutral state. And then I explained to her once she was there, our brain is primitive and our body is primitive. It's designed to keep us safe. So when you go into this fight or flight state, it's like a tiger is chasing you. And then I said to her, is there a tiger chasing you? And she's like, no, Auntie Jody, there's no tiger. Like that's what you need to remind yourself of. There is no tiger. It's your brain trying to keep you safe. Your body, you know, acting in concert with your brain, trying to keep you safe. It's a beautiful system. It just, we have so many triggers that are not applicable for that system today. And we need to know how to deal with it. You know, what's, what's interesting is this must be a lesson that really, really needs to be taught right now. Mm -hmm. Because my last guest was a neuroscientist and we talked all about this fight or flight response. Ooh, I'm going to have fact, to watch that. Um, the fact that we are in fight or flight 70% of our lives. Yeah. And we don't even recognize it 90% of that, of that time that we don't even recognize we're in fight or flight. Yeah. Um, and the interesting thing about that is you see it and you and I were talking about this before we started the show about the politics and and all the the different things that have gone on over the the pandemic people stopped thinking why do people stop thinking well because fear shuts down the amygdala it shuts down the thinking part of your brain That's and right. it's fight or flight that's it that's your option fight flight or freeze so you've yeah. got three places well, there's no tiger chasing you, but our body reacts the same way, whether it's finances, whether it's marriage problems, whether it's business problems, whether what name the subject. Yeah. And our brain reacts that way. And as soon as, because we've trained it. Yep. And so when something happens, we immediately go into fight or flight mode. We react. We don't think we stop thinking. Well, when you stop thinking, you can't use reason. You just talk, talked about this. You can't reason with that inner, that inner Jody, that that baby Jody, baby Todd. Yeah. You can't reason with them. Nope. And you see that in politics. You can't reason with a Republican, the Democrat when they're when they've got their hackles up. Yep. Ain't no discussions going to be going on. Just going to be yelling. Yep. And and that's the that's the thing we need to learn how to do what you just said, short circuit that fight or flight response and go, wait, okay, reset back to neutral. Then we can actually start using the part of our brain that's waking up, the executive part of our brain that's going to think. That's right. Yes. And in terms of attracting more money and how this applies, because people are like, wow, wait, what? What does this have to do with it? This is everything because everything is energy. You know, we are energy. I, you know, the, the mic that we're, you know, talking through the computer that I'm looking at, all of it is energy and our energy is impacting everything around us. So what a lot of people will do is just try and ignore, oh, I'm afraid I'm going to ignore this. I'm going to you know, put my head in the sand. I'm not going to look at my, my money. I'm not going to talk about money. I'm just going to go and do something else to try and feel better. It's a coping mechanism. But what happens is that that energy is stuck there, that fear, if you want to say, let's say, let's give uh, the energy of fear a really low rating when it comes to the amount of frequency. It's not a high frequency feeling. It's a low frequency feeling. Well, it's stuck there. Now it's stuck within your body. 
And now everyone, regardless of whether you're saying it or not, everyone that's around you can feel that because our bodies are designed to interpret the message of energy. We see this with horses. So horses, everybody says they're they're not afraid of fear, but they can they can smell fear. No, they can't smell your fear. They have energy receptor sites in their gut. And because they're big animals, they have giant guts. So they feel whatever energy you're putting off. And even more so what, you know, drives them crazy is when they feel something, they sense fear and you're trying to hide it because they know the, the feeling that they're getting or the energy that they're receiving through these receptor sites is saying, this person is afraid you're hiding it. And that makes them weary. They're, they're like, Oh, what are you trying to hide They're You know, they don't, they don't like that. They want, they you don't to know how authentic. to respond to it. Exactly. They're, they think that there's something else going on. And we're the same way with our own intuition. We have the same receptor sites within our own guts. So we're feeling this all the time and interpreting the data while we're around people. So if we're just trying to ignore that we're afraid we're not going to have enough money and we're going out there and you're trying to sell your course or sell coaching or whatever it is that you're doing, but you have this fear locked within you, that's what people are receiving. That's what people are feeling from you. And if you're trying to hide it, then they, the picture doesn't match the feeling. So they don't trust you. They know right. that there's something going on that they can't pinpoint and they don't like it. So they will withdraw from you. And this is one of the biggest things that I see when it comes to entrepreneurs is them trying to hide this. And then it blocks them from receiving. If they just went through that four-step system that we just went through two seconds ago, they'd be able to let go of that, those feelings, those fears, and then come to the table with their authentic energy of excitement or bliss or joy or whatever it is that they're trying to bring to the world. And then they're magnetic. I love that. Thank you. You know, with, uh, you're talking about energy subwoofers on cars, right? Mm -hmm. Low, low frequencies, low wavelengths, but it makes the entire vehicle shake. Yep. And you can have it so low that the only thing that can hear it are dogs and whales, Mm -hmm. right? And yet, if you were to get close to it, your entire every molecule in your body would be be shaking. Yeah, you'd feel it. Energy, energy is such a unique thing that we don't realize that every everything that we think, everything that we feel, mm-hmm. everything that we do creates its own wavelength of energy. Yeah. There are people, they say there are people, I, I don't know anyone personally that can read auras, right? They can read the, the energy of people. And that's just, you know, it's a gift of the spirit. That's uh, every, every person has some sort of gift. And some people have the ability to, you know, see the energy that people are putting off. And if we could all see the energy that we are putting off, we would probably be like, oh, I have 70,000 thoughts a day and 60,000 of them are negative. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of, that's a lot of negative energy, negative vibes. It's hard to be trusted. It's hard to have that authentic self mm-hmm. when you're putting out that much negative energy. Mm-hmm. And hard to attract what you want when that's the majority. Um, for me, when I was, when I went within and started asking these questions and started downloading these abundance codes, one of the things that came to me was a, a, a reflection of my day. And the average energy that you're in. So if somebody would have said, what's your average emotion in a day? I would have been like, happy. I'm very happy. Like I'm a happy-go-lucky person. You know, I've, my my assistant always laughs at me because something will happen. Like a picture falls off the wall and I'm like, oh my gosh, look at how beautiful the, gr- the glass cracked. It's just so <laughs> wonderful. Look at it. Like it's a giant mess, but I'm finding beauty in it. And she'll just be like, you're so weird. I'm I just love ha- it. Yeah, I'm just a happy person. So if you would ask me that question before I did this this exercise, I would have said happy. That is the majority of the emotions that I feel is happy. So then what I did was I plotted out my day 
Okay. I wake up in the morning. The first thing that I do is I go to the bathroom and then I make coffee and then I drink water. And then, you know, and then every single thing that I did, and then I would get ready or I would read. I used to have this really stringent routine of like, I'd make coffee and then I would, I would read 10 pages and then I would listen to an audiobook and then I would journal, then I would read my affirmations and I would read my goals. And then I would go to work or to my office at the time. And um, so I, I plotted out everything that I do on an average day, you know, see clients, right. all of this stuff. Okay. I plotted it all out. And then I went back to each line item and I asked myself, how do I feel when I'm in that moment? Some of them, I had no idea. Like, how do you feel when you wake up? I don't know. I guess tomorrow <laughs> I need to pay attention. How do I feel when I wake up? Right. And there was things, and it was so interesting, Todd, because I, I saw pops of joy, you know, when I would meet with clients or when I would do this or that, or, you know, speaking to people, there was these pops of joy and bliss and excitement, but the majority was anxiety and overwhelm. Yeah. And it was shocked. I was shocked. I would wake up in this anxiety response in this fight flight response. Um, the first thoughts that would come to my mind is I should have woken up earlier. I should have done more already. And you would be with the 99.9% of humans because it's human, it's natural to feel overwhelmed, to feel anxiety, to feel fear, to have these thoughts that go through us. But that's just part of the human experience, but it doesn't mean that we have to be stuck there. Yeah. And I think that it was a learned behavior. It was an automatic response that I had actually programmed because I had, I was stuck in this box of to be successful. I had to do this and this and this and this and this and this, all of these to do things. So as soon as I woke up, I felt like I was behind the eight ball. And when I started to actually feel into it, you know, what are you anxious about baby Jody? Like what, what, what are you overwhelmed with? Like you literally just got up. What, what is going on? Why do you feel so much anxiety? I, and the first words that came to me is that I should have done more. Well, what could you have well, done more? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like sleep? what, what should you have done? And I call it shooting all over yourself and I would should all over myself, but I was so unaware that I was doing this and that I was causing more anxiety. So I started questioning, what should I have done already? You know, it's six o'clock in the morning. That's when I used to wake up. It's six o'clock in the morning. Do your clients want to hear from you at six o'clock in the morning? Heck no. They want sleep. No, they want to sleep. So what should you have done? And why? Like, where is this coming from? Oh, if I don't do this, then I won't be successful. And then we come back to, is it true? Is it absolutely true that I have to wake up at 5 a.m. to be successful? If you can find at least one person in the world that has done it differently, then it's not an absolute. I like right? seeing the the different things of of the billionaires. What their what is their morning routine? Sure, yeah. Elon Musk gets up at five a.m. every day. I don't I don't know these numbers, but then it shows Bill Gates gets up at seven a.m. Wait a minute, that's not five a.m. Right? He does have a little bit of money. He's been a little bit successful. Yeah. So. I think you hit on a point that people can notice. This is one place that people can notice. If then, whenever you start getting those if then statements in your mind, you're probably shooting all over yourself. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And even the when then scenario, if we're talking about attraction, if you're constantly saying, when I have more money, I will feel safe. When I have more money, I will feel excited. When I have more money, then I'll be able to be calm and joyous. No, you are not an energetic match to what you want. Because what you're saying in this moment, when you say that is right now, I am not joyous. I'm not happy. I'm not calm. I'm not at peace and I'm not safe. Well, you're not a match to the things that you desire. So how can you be those things right now. And an easy way to start is what makes me feel that way? What makes me feel safe? It could be as simple as wrapping a blanket around you. 
and coming back to this moment and cuddling yourself, giving yourself that big hug that you've been waiting for. It's so interesting that, you know, at some point in our lives, our parents stopped coddling us, kissing our boo-boos and calming our system and taking care of us and really nurturing us. Maybe not nurturing us. Like they always took care of us, but you know, at some point you're old enough to take care of yourself. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But no one taught us how to do it for ourselves. So this is the learning process of how do you take care of yourself so that you can calm yourself, get to a neutral position, and then create from that rather than trying to create from this low vibration of fear, angst, anxiety, because it's so much harder to create from there because you're not energetically matched to what you truly desire. Very good question. I mean, that's the crux of the matter, isn't it? We need to we need to be able to learn how to cradle that child inside us, calm the fears so that they can be released and let go. Yeah. And for some, it does require structure. For others, it requires less structure. Like you just said, you were structured and that was causing you anxiety. For some, not being structured causes the anxiety. And if they just get a a routine, it calms them right down. Yeah. Like my, my oldest son, he's one that needs a routine when he's 25 now. But when he was young, he was stressed when we didn't have a routine for him. Whereas his sister, a routine stressed her. She preferred to just go with the wind, go with the flow. And so you have to know what your inner child is like. You have to know Mm -hmm. how to actively go through this cast method Mm -hmm. to calm down and and go back to neutral. Yeah. And, and just asking yourself, like getting to know yourself better than anybody else. Like that is the thing that, um, it just baffles my mind is how much time, how how little time as a society we spend with ourselves getting to know what we even like, what we don't like, what supports us, what doesn't support us. We just don't spend that time alone asking like, what do you need? As if you were your best friend. My dad said that to me when I was a kid. He said, you know, you come into this world alone and you leave this world alone. The only person that you have truly as your best friend is you. So start being it, be your own best friend. And I took that advice to heart. And as a, you know, later in my adult years in my thirties was like, okay, if I was my best friend, how would I support myself? What, what, what does Jody even need? I don't know. I couldn't answer any of these questions. I needed to spend that time with me and be okay with as life changes, as I got married, as I have kids, that's the next chapter, um, that that's okay, that I can be fluid with what I need. It's not stagnant. It's all, we're always creating. We're always in evolution of self, regardless of whether you're trying or not, you're always in this evolution. And I think so many people have never actually taken the time. And in fact, there there's studies out there that show that the majority of people don't, they're afraid of taking the time to get to know themselves because they don't like themselves. Yeah. And so we talked about that a lot in my last episode also. Um, and one of the, one of the interesting things, real interesting story. I don't know if you've heard of Sean Whalen, the lion's not sheep. Um, I think you would love, love his, uh, his stuff. Um, but Sean Whalen, he's a, uh, a motivator and a coach. And he was just, he just told a story in a networking group. I'm in with him, lions, not sheep that he went on a trip by himself. And it was the first time he realized when he was on the trip, it was the first time he'd ever done anything like that. In his entire life, he's mid forties. First time he had ever gone on a trip by himself to connect with himself. Yeah. And, and he had to have his come to Jesus moments with himself. He had to really dig deep 
because things bubbled to the surface that he didn't want to face Mm -hmm. because he finally was in a place of solitude. Yeah. And most people don't want to go there. No, they're so afraid of what they might see and, and that if they see it, they won't like it. And, and an, an activity that I give my students is to pretend that, that whatever they are afraid of, you know, I'm, I'm too, you know, I, I made this mistake with money. I blew all my money and I had a foreclosure. I'll use my, my own story. You know, I had a foreclosure on my very first home. I'm a loser. All of those things that I thought at that time, I imagined if my best friend came to me and said all of these things, what would I say? Would I agree with her? Yep. Total loser. No, no, I would pour love into her because I see how great she is. And that is a challenge doing that for yourself. But when you can kind of remove yourself from the situation and pretend, you know, like put it all on the page and then sit in the best friend seat and then look at it from a place of love of, you know, you want to love humanity, the person that's sitting next to you, whatever you can, you have more grace for people. You have more understanding for people and you have way less judgment when you're looking at your best friend, someone you truly care about versus when you're looking at yourself. So you try and give that to yourself. It's so important. This this has come up so many times in the last week. This is obviously something that people need to hear. Yeah, you know, I agree, Todd. It, it, we started out talking about finances and we're ending up talking about you need to love yourself. It all boils down to that. It doesn't matter if it's business, if it's weight loss, if it's uh, relationships, if it's money, if it's entrepreneurship, if it's politics, it doesn't matter what it is. doesn't matter. If you don't have a good relationship with yourself, pick what you want. You're not going to be happy. Yep. Yeah. It doesn't matter and how many things you have. It won't you'll blame you everybody else around you. Mm-hmm. until you turn inward, like you said you had to do, turn inward, look at yourself. That's when you have to come to grips and accept that you're not perfect. Oh my gosh, we're not Jesus. We're <laughs> not perfect. Heaven forbid we accept the fact that we have issues. You know yeah. what? I got issues. I got lots of issues. But, you. <laughs> but I accept me for me. That's why I have probably have quite a high self-esteem. Um, that and the fact that I'm a pilot and pilots always have high self-esteems. Um, yeah. You got to have that confidence to be a pilot. You do because everyone's life is in your hands. Mm-hmm. And, and so that confidence comes from knowing who you are and accepting who you are. Yeah. The guys that I know that are pilots that don't have that confidence usually almost always has come down to they've been trying to hide it under hide that hide who they are under drinking or something else that eventually bubbles over one of the best guys that I knew ended up getting divorced pretty much kicked out of the military because he became an alcoholic why because things he was choices he was making he wasn't acknowledging that they were his fault. And then he let the drinking get the better of him because he was trying to numb it, trying to hide it. Yeah. And I think he's not alone in that. I think there's a majority in the world doing the similar things, maybe Mm -hmm. not to that extent, but to some extent, because we don't want to acknowledge that, that baby Jody needs a hug. Yeah, baby Jody just needs some love. It baby Todd to always told. needs a hug. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because no, I'm a hugger, so so me too. I always need a hug. Uh, me too. <laughs> and just and just understanding that that it's okay that you're not perfect. Like you just said, nobody is perfect. And these flaws that people think that they have that are so like they're so big that you'll never be able to overcome them. And that if people actually saw them, they would never love them. People already see them, whatever they are. And and people are going to love you or they're not. And most of the time people are so worried about their own crap 
that what you're worried about, what other people are thinking about you, they're not thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves and they're worrying about what you're thinking about them. That's right. We're all selfish that way. And we always project our own crap onto other people thinking that they're, they're, they're going to see all this and not like us. No, you're the one seeing all that and not liking yourself Mm -hmm. because of it. Just accept who you are and give love out in return. One of the greatest books I've ever read, Todd, was Radical Forgiveness. Have you read that book? I have not, but um, I just recently heard about that book. Again, I think maybe my did my son point it out or he pointed out a similar one. Yeah. yeah. I use their tools to this day. I that it's it's a practice in my life, but the concept of the book is that we're calling to other souls in the world to, to fulfill whatever we came here to learn or experience or whatever. So we're calling it towards us. So it's this radical responsibility that we're taking for our lives in, in the way that it's our ability to respond to whatever's happening, happening to us. And it just, it forever changed the way that I look at things that are hard. You know, my husband and I have a fight and I don't immediately just blame him. I I go within (laughs) and I go through the tools that that book taught me and they have free forms that you can get on their website. I'll often go through their worksheet, their radical forgiveness worksheet. Cause I'm like, I am so mad. And they make you like write out your victim story. He's such an a-hole, <laughs> you know, all of these things, blah, blah, blah. He did all this. And it, it has honestly, it has changed our marriage. Like we have a wonderful marriage because I do these practices and he, he does his own things uh, in that way. But because I'm reflecting on how am I calling this into my life? How am I treating myself the way that I think he's treating me? What expectation do I think that he's set for me in our marriage that I'm not leading or living up to when I was the one that set the expectation? It is wild when you start taking that radical responsibility for your life and and not from a place of beating yourself up, but a place of, of opening up the perception and seeing that 365 foot view up or a thousand foot view up of what's really happening and how am I creating this and how can I create something different? I learned a similar technique a while back. And I think I, I taught it in one of my very first few episodes and um, it's called yelling at a tree. (laughs) it's basically when you get in a fight or or something and rather than taking out your what and saying whatever negative mean nasty thing comes to mind in the moment don't because it it's going to be hurtful and you'll regret it so just bite your tongue leave the house go outside and yell at a tree get all the anger and the angst and everything out, all the stuff that you would say, say it to the tree. And you'll find that once you've purged it, then your brain gets out of fight or flight mode. And you start thinking and you recognize your own part that you played in the fight or the situation. And then you can go back and have an actual conversation, forgiveness, Etc. Etc. Afterwards. Yeah. One of the stories that I always tell about about this book is um, when my husband and I first started dating. Uh, he didn't know my financial situation. You know, he knew I was a successful business owner. Like, you know, I had my own house. You know, all of these things, right? Um, but he didn't really know any of the details. So we didn't talk about money. We've been dating for like a month. And I remember we're driving to go have dinner at his dad's house, and he says uh, to me, like, "Hey, babe." how are you doing for money? Are you okay? And I, I remember the feeling mostly of like anger and shame, like bubbling up. And I was like, I don't want to yell at him. And then I just started to cry and he's like, Whoa, what did I do? (laughs) And I, you know, I had enough composure that I just like, I stopped, I stopped crying. And I, and I was like, ah, I just need some time. Like, can we just like put a pin in this conversation and come back to it, you know, later? And he's like, yeah, okay, great. So when I went home, crazy girl, all right. 
crazy. Like what just happened? I just asked her a question. So, um, I, I, when I went home that night, I really reflected on what happened. Like, why did I just have that visceral response within my body? I got so angry and then so ashamed and so sad and all of this stuff. I'm like, what's going on? Well, in my brain, I had connected him asking that question to what it meant. So if he's asking that question, it means he doesn't trust me. He doesn't think I'm good with money. He thinks I'm a loser that I can't take care of myself. There was like pages of things that came out. Negative Nancy was talking hard. Negative Nancy was like puking all over the place. And I looked at all of this and I asked a question. The question that I asked was, who says? Do I know for absolute certainty that him asking that question meant all of these things that I'm a loser, that I don't know how to take care of money. I can't take care of myself. All of these things that came out of my, my head that made me have this, this response, right? Does, is it absolute certain that asking that question means that, well, I don't know. How do you know that you would ask him? Right. So I did the courageous thing. And I said, you remember how, you know, I kind of started crying and I don't normally cry. So like, that was the first time I think he saw me cry. Um, And I was like, you remember that? He's like, oh yeah. And I said, when you asked me that question, my brain had connected it to meaning that you didn't, you thought I was this, 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 this. And it meant that I was this, 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 this. Is that what you meant when you asked that question? That's a brave thing to ask. Very brave, but it was so liberating because he said, no, I just, I want to be a good partner to you and I want to provide for you and I want to take care of you and you're independent and I don't know how to do that. And I don't know anything about your financial situation. So I thought I would just ask. (laughs) So he's being very open, just like he should. Mm -hmm. And he's wanting to provide and take care of you just like a good partner would. And I could have changed everything. That's the joy. That's the joy of just being radically or brutally honest with each other, with yourselves. Yeah. With yourself and with the people that are around you. Well, because, because our brains lie to us, Mm -hmm. our brain, your brain was telling you all this negative stuff, all of it. And for a split second, you were believing it, believing totally. it. And there was zero truth to anything that was being told. It was just assumptions. And I love the, in the military, we say it all the time. You know what assume means. It makes yeah. an arse out of you and me. That's right. Yeah. And we forget that so often. We let ourselves be led down the path of assumptions so often. Yeah. Well, and that assumption would have killed our relationship because if I would have kept on with that assumption and assuming that he thought so little of me and that he thought I was bad with money and all of these things, I couldn't take care of myself. Eventually that would have eroded everything within our relationship. And, you know, thank God that I had the courage to ask that question. It took a lot. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It wasn't easy whatsoever to, to come up to a person that, you know, I was in love with him at this point and was like, wow, you think so little of me. And, you know, why would you asked that question, like it was a very vulnerable moment. But in that moment, it was so liberating because I could see that my brain made all those assumptions, that it wasn't true at all. And then I was asking, what else have I assumed? And how has that impacted my relationship with others, my relationship with myself, my work, what I do? Everything then became on the table for evaluation. Is it absolute truth? And how long have you guys been together now? Five years. So that could have been five years destroyed without asking a, a simple question. That's right. Yeah. Well, and none, none of my other relationships ever worked. I wonder why. <laughs> I'm guessing assumptions had a lot to do with it. A hundred percent. I think so. All of these things that, you know, our brain runs away with just because he asked that question didn't mean anything about me. He was simply trying to check in on me the only way that he knew how. Yeah. He cared. So he was checking. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great place to, to finish off tonight. I mean, it gives a lot people a lot to think about. Yeah, absolutely. 
So where can you be found? So I can put in the show notes how people can uh, find out more about you, find out about your blueprint, um, et cetera, as the dog licks me in the face. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give you a link for my free training. I have about an hour long video where I go through um, three mistakes entrepreneurs uh, continue to make and how to shift them when they're, when they're trying to attract more money. And then it goes into the details of the fluid money blueprint and how you can take advantage of that right away. I'll give you that link. And then outside of that, you can go to jodylynncraven.com and check out my website um, or find me on Instagram. It's just Jody Lynn Craven. I would love for, to hear from you. I'm always open for people coming to chat with me. This is my favorite thing to talk about. Obviously, this is the passion. Uh, my passion in life is to, to teach this. And um, yeah, so I love talking about it. That's awesome. And I have enjoyed becoming friends with you. Thank you. Uh, me this too. being our, our second second time together on, on here. And I love it. So hopefully we'll have many more. To yeah. Come. I hope for and that too. So thank you very much. This has been Todd talks where I help you design your best life, not the life I design for you, but the life you desire today. Like we said, we talked about finances and a lot of things in between. I hope you take what you learned today and apply it to your own life. Jody is available for financial coaching learning. I'm available for business coaching, learning, leadership development. We want to help you to develop the life that you desire. And as always, have a blessed day. <music>